listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. We wish you a good evening. We hope you're safe. And I know you had a great temptation today. This was one of the tough days for you to look outside and say, I, I want to go out. I, I, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I know you want to go out. I know you want to go out with a bunch of people. I know 60, mid 60 degrees. You want to have a barbecue in your backyard and invite the boys over, didn't you? Yes, I know you did. I know you were tempted. Hopefully you didn't. So I'm going to take the high road and say, thankfully you did not do that. There will be a time that you may be able to do that, but the time is not right now. And as I watch the coverage of the coronavirus, and as I listen to the press conferences over and over, I don't think we can say thank you enough to the doctors and police and fire and all the folks on the the first responders, everybody on the front lines. We can't say thank you enough for what you're doing. We can't. So if I continue to say thank you, it's not enough. But just just know that we appreciate what you're doing for us. Even those who don't really get it, even those who I heard earlier today on the Michael K show had the nerve to say that this was some conspiracy, some hoax. You gotta be kidding me. This is not what that is. This is for real people. People are dying. People are dying is no hoax. Okay. It's no hoax. Schools are closed again. More time. No hoax. Not a government hoax. Sorry. You're reading too much. Inside this edition of ESPN New York tonight, we'll talk about a bunch of things. But first, I was struck. And we mentioned Freddie and Fitzsimmons a couple of moments ago. Last night on their show, our Kirk Herbstreet had an interesting statement. Here's what he said. In my opinion, until we have a vaccine where we can really just, okay, now we've got some control over this. Even if this curve is flattened out, this virus is still out there. I'll be shocked, honestly. I haven't talked with anybody. I'll be shocked if we have NFL football this fall, if we have college football. I'll be so surprised if, if that happens. Just because uh, from everything I understand, people that I listen to, you know, you're, you're, you're 12 to 18 months away from a vaccine until you have a vaccine. I, I don't know how you can let these guys go into locker rooms and, and let stadiums be filled up and how you can play ball. I just don't know how you can do it. All right, so what do you think? 1-800-919-3776. Do you agree with Kirk Herbstreit? Who says, listen, here's the bottom line for him. As far as he's concerned, unless there is a vaccine that is tested and proven to work, he doesn't want to have a college football or NFL season. Now, keep in mind, if that's the case, and I understand that they are working feverishly to get one, trials are going on as we speak, and because it is singularly focused on the coronavirus, you may can speed it up more than 12 to 18 months. I think it will be less time. But he said he would be shocked. So he doesn't think that there should be football at all. And here's his logic. Think about this. You saw what happened in the NBA. You saw what happened with Rudy Gobert and the Utah Jazz. 
That's what started this. All right, that's when the NBA said, oh, no, he's tested. Shut it down. Shut it down. Okay? So that's now, and they tested the Jazz, and they tested every team that the Jazz faced over seven days, right? So now focus on this. Hypothetically, somebody gets the virus. You've got 53 other players in the locker room that could that it could spread to and then on the other side if my team finds out that your team has that then we're not going to want to take the field against you right we're not going to want to go play you we're not going to want to step on the field we're not going to want to think that we could possibly get hurt get 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 the virus and and extend to very serious deaths or beyond doesn't that's what he's thinking that's where Kirk Herbstreit's head is at for me, I understand what he's saying. I'm not ready to go down that road yet. I believe that they'll be able to play football this season. But I will put, and you notice a little hesitation in my voice, right? And I will say it like that because here's my hesitation. My hesitation is understanding that if this is supposed to be worse than the flu, you listen to people who have the coronavirus, they say it's 10 times worse than the flu with the aches and the pains. So if there is, and you hear doctors talk about how there is a warming, you know, as the weather gets warm, sometimes it, you know, the virus goes into a lull. But as Dr. Anthony Fauci mentioned, cold, the cooler weather, it could come back again. And will we be ready for it to come back? Well, ladies and gentlemen, the cooler weather for it to come back again would be during the football season. Now, I know emotionally, as fans, we don't want to lose the NFL. We don't. We're waiting. We're feverishly waiting. We want something to watch. Okay, we want baseball to hurry up and get started. We'll talk about baseball a little bit later. We're wondering what the NBA is going to do when the NHL is coming back. We want something live that we can watch. We want some sports that we can sick our teeth into. But are we rushing sports back too soon? Do you agree with Kirk Herbstreit that there should be no football season this year if indeed there's no vaccine? Or if you don't want to go that far, under what ideas do you believe you would be comfortable with football? 1-800-919-3776 on Twitter at hardest to ESPN at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM. For the NCAA, it's even more interesting as far as I'm concerned because let's talk about money, shall we? Now, this is according to uh, Nick Bromberg at Yahoo Sports. Any loss of football in 2020 because of an extended pandemic could feasibly be weathered by all NFL and its teams. Same can't necessarily be said for universities that rely on the money that football generates. The NCAA's main moneymaker, obviously the NCAA tournaments, they were canceled. As a result, the $600 million payout that member schools were set to get from the NC2A, from the TV revenue, from tournaments, is dropping to $225 million in 2020. That's a loss of $375 million. Yesterday, 
Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby said that the conference would, at the moment, be able to pay its member schools the payout they were promised despite the NCAA smaller than anticipated distribution. However, once again, this is quoting Nick Bromberg's article in Yahoo Sports. However, he admitted that it would be a whole new ball game if the football season was impacted by the pandemic. So, as always, right, money is involved here. Now, I'm sure that with all good sense, the networks would not want to put players, kids, professionals, would not want to put them in harm's way. They don't want to do that. So where is the line that they're going to draw? Where is the line that they say, you know what? It, it's okay. Major League Baseball already has put together kind of a framework for them to come back. All right. And part of it is that the fans, that it's a situation where it's safe enough that fans can come back and watch. In other words, it's safe enough that the governors and the mayors of each particular town or city or state has said, listen, it's okay that we can have more than 10, more than 20, more than 50, more than 250 that you can have no ceiling on the amount of people that you allow in a public, in a public venue. And that's what major league baseball's framework. Part of their framework has been between the, uh, the league and the players association on getting the game back. Should football have something similar to that? I'm curious to hear what you have to say. You're listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. You know, schools will survive, communities will thrive, but for student athletes who have lost their senior seasons due to the, due to the pandemic, they may never get a chance to play on that grand stage again. So 98.7 ESPN would like to salute our local hometown heroes for, for accomplishing Great achievements in scholastics and athletics. Please email us at 987ESPN at gmail.com to tell their story. Use hometown heroes in the subject line and we'll do our best to share those stories. And it will be great to have some of those, um, some of those seniors who had that unbelievable year. Maybe they got a chance to play in the football game earlier. Or maybe they had a chance to play basketball earlier before everything was shut down. So share those stories with us at 987ESPN at gmail.com. 1-800-919-3776. Just getting your thoughts on Kirk Herbstreet's comments that he doesn't think that there should be college football or pro football this season because of the situation with the coronavirus. That he is not convinced that everything that stadiums, Players will be safe enough to be able to play free in their minds, not to worry about getting the virus somebody, not thinking about that. Not, not, that's not going to be in the back of their minds. That he feels that unless there is a vaccine out, he would be surprised if they played. And he says it's the optic, the optic of having to possibly pull teams off the field and then having to shut down the season in the middle of the season because you came back too quick because you thought it was okay, but it really wasn't because 
you really wanted to get the money. You really wanted to bow to the pressure. You really felt that the game needed to continue more so than erring on safety to have these players safe and ready to perform. So it, it listen, it's a bold statement. It's a bold statement from Kirk Herbstreet. And it, it's interesting because shortly after that, our Jeff Passan wrote an article about the agreement, part of the agreement between the players and Major League Baseball about when their season will start. Now listen to this. And maybe, maybe the NFL should adopt some of these situations because some of these options. All right. First, as part of the agreement, this is according to once again, ESPN's Jeff Passan. The players in MLB primarily agreed that the 2020 season will not start until each of the following conditions are met. Number one, there are no bans on mass gatherings that would limit the availability to play in front of fans. However, the commissioner could still consider the use of appropriate substitute neutral sites where economically feasible. In other words, if, for example, New York was still one of the top sites that was suffering under the coronavirus pandemic, but it was okay to play in Washington. He may consider moving the games to Washington. Okay. Something like that. Number two, there are no travel restrictions throughout the United States and Canada. Number three, Medical experts determined there would be no health risk for players, staff, or fans, with the commissioners and unions still able to revisit the idea of playing in empty stadiums. So what Major League Baseball and the Players Association have done is they have a framework, but it's not locked down. So it's a, it's a loose framework. It can be negotiated. It's not hard, fast rule. Okay, if we don't have this, we're not doing that. It's not that way. So you've got some wiggle room in there. Now, while there's no formal framework in the agreement, owners and players both want to play as many games as possible, obviously. The flexibility of both sides was seen in the willingness to extend the regular season into October, play neutral site playoff games in November, and add doubleheaders to the schedule. Here's what's interesting. Players push to receive a full year of service time, which counts days towards free agency arbitration and pension, even in the event of a canceled season. When MLB agreed to grant that, the path to a deal coming together was forged, according to sources. All right. So the union agreed not to sue the league for full salaries in the event that the 2020 season never takes place. And Major League Baseball will advance players $170 million over the next two months, sources said. The MLBPA will divvy up the lump sum among four classes of players, with the majority of it going to those with guaranteed Major League contracts. If the games are played, the advance will count against final salaries, which will be prorated. So if, if you're, they'll pay you. For the next two months, if they start in a month, we'll move that money away. Okay. The advance will count against your final salary. So you may have to pay it back or, you know, it'll be, it'll be taken away from the, from one of your paychecks or something like that. So here's what you like about what Major League Baseball did. Okay. They have this framework. They are on their way to giving you an idea 
of when they could start again. So when we're trying to figure out how soon baseball is going to start, could it be May, could it be June, could it be July, it's going to depend, as we've all said, right? It's going to depend on what this virus does. But they have some specific situations about that. No bans on mass gatherings that would limit the ability to play in front of fans. Now, does that mean that there might be a scenario where no fans will be involved? It's possible. But I think for the overall picture, what they want is to make sure that, hey, here's our goal to tell you it's healthy. It's okay. It's all right to come back because it's been cleared. The bans have been lifted so people can come see. It's then up to people. It's up to the fans to see if they want to come back. And that's going to be the real interesting thing, too. How long will it take? And we asked this question earlier in the week. How long will it take for fans to be comfortable that they can come back and safely enjoy a baseball game or a football game or a basketball game or a hockey game? Because clearly, everybody's not going to be six feet between each other. These seats are inches away. (laughs) Inches in some cases. So that's going to be the real tricky part here. When will the fans feel comfortable? Even though there may be no ban and the government, the governor or the mayor could say, Hey, listen, go, come on back. We're good. Come on, come watch. Doctors have told us you're clear to come back from a fear standpoint, from a financial standpoint. When will fans feel comfortable that they can come back and watch a game? How long will they wait to see a couple of games to see if any players have any, you know, symptoms of the coronavirus? Will that be the determination? Will that be what makes their decision? I don't know. It's very curious for me because I don't know if I'm ready to, as a fan, as a fan, I don't know if I'm ready to rush back in the ballpark and see the teams when I can so happily watch them on TV. Now, clearly, will we be ready to get out of the house and go somewhere? Absolutely, we will. Some people are getting out of the house, going somewhere now when they shouldn't be under the guidelines that we have. So I don't know if I'm going to rush to the ballpark right now. As soon as they come out, I think I want to wait a couple weeks before I see what's happening. Before I see, feel that comfort that I can see a live event and I'll be okay. That my fam, I could bring my family out to a live event and it'll be okay. And I'm sure even when that happens, there's going to be folks there with masks and gloves. Because this is going to be a lasting memory, ladies and gentlemen. This is going to be a lasting memory, what we've gone through. We are going through a history-making scenario, situation. 
here where it's going to be written in the history books forever, ever in the, forever, ever in the day about this pandemic, how we dealt with it and the ramifications surrounding it. So we got a couple of things on the table for you to discuss. First of all, Kirk Herbstreet's comments that he doesn't think there should be college football or NFL football until they find a vaccine. Do you agree with him there or disagree? Also, what do you think about Major League Baseball's framework to get back to playing? Under what you've heard from the framework that they have put together, when is your best guess that baseball will return? You're listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Small businesses all over will be feeling the lasting effects of this pandemic. So if you are a small business trying to get the word out that you are still serving the community, let us know. Send an email to 987ESPN at gmail.com. 987ESPN at gmail.com and let us know your story so we can pass the word along to our community. In a couple minutes, get your pencils and paper ready. I'm going to give you two small business shout outs that you can order this weekend. When you don't want to go out, can't go out, starving, want something different. I've got two great restaurants for you. I'll tell you that in a couple of minutes. Right now, let's go to the phones. 1-800-919-3776. Mike is in Manhattan. Hey, Mike, you're next on 987 ESPN. Hello, Larry. Are you there? I'm here, Mike. What's up? Larry, I share your frustration. I was listening. To, I caught the, the, the tail end of your talk about the uh, baseball season and and so forth. And, you know, I'm, a, I'm 77 years old. I'm a diehard Yankee fan. I, I, I share the frustrations of other people that were being deprived of our uh, baseball. But I want to tell you, Larry, that part of my frustration is that there's no uh, information in the, on the mass media, especially television and the newspapers, about how people can build up their immune systems. With uh, And I'm not selling anything, but the information about people building up their immune systems to resist the virus with using uh, different natural medicines that are available over-the-counter and it, it's frustrating to me because I've spent many decades researching. Uh, I'm not a doctor, but I've done many. I've spent many decades researching natural medicines for different uh, illnesses and diseases, and it's just very frustrating that there's no information to to educate the public about it, about the um, way we can protect ourselves by building up our immune system, so that we we could. Uh, I'm not saying that it would be a cure all or a panacea. But it might. It, I definitely would help to speed up the recovery from the virus instead well, of. I do think, Mike, as more and thanks for calling. That's a great point. I haven't noticed that either. But I do think as we find more, as doctors find out more and more about the virus, then they'll be able to backtrack and say, okay, if you do this, this natural herb or or this natural fruit or vegetable or something like that would help you. It's very tough because it, it reacts different ways on different people. And the bottom line is for respiratory illnesses and things of that nature, those people seem to be at a higher risk. But then you find out, as I watch the news today, is there's a young man in Bronxville in the hospital, 18, who's in serious condition for the corona coronavirus. 
as we've been told, oh, well, the coronavirus is okay with young people. It doesn't bother you. It's, it's, we don't know. So it's very hard to talk about how to, um, it's very hard to talk about how to, what you can do to build your immune system to not get it until you find out how to beat it. So I think that that information will be coming. It will be coming shortly. Valentino's in Brooklyn. Hey, Valentino, you're next on 9870 ESPN. Yes, sir. Good evening, Mr. Hahn. First and foremost, let me apologize for last night. I called you Mr. Hahn. Please forgive me, sir. All right, no problem. Uh, we all make mistakes, Valentino. Yes, sir. I just have a comment tonight sir, uh, on the, um, going to the game. I don't go to many games, but as you said, even beginning to watch a game was hard for me as a fan because of the NBA changing so much. You know, the scoring was up because it seemed like they're calling so many ticky-tack fouls. So it was getting hard to watch it. And this kind of gave me a break and a reprieve because that's why I was so interested in the XFL because of the, you know, looking to see if they gave the players more freedom to play the game as you and I knew it times past. I know the game's changed, but, uh, you know, I don't like to see a whole lot of points. I love to see defense, Mr. Hardesty. Thank you for taking my call. Have a great evening. Your family, you continue to be safe. Thank you, Valentino. You and your family as well. I understand what you're saying. You love to see more defense, and you, you normally see that now, okay, when you get to the postseason. That's when teams start to grind a little bit more. That's when teams start to have that defensive mentality. During the regular season, you're just not going to see that, Valentino, because, you know, there's a lot of bad teams out there. <laughs> All right? And the Knicks are one of them, where they just give up points. They don't play solid defense consistently. They allow better teams to go right past them. It's when you start to get better teams in the postseason as you get further and further into the postseason, as the caliber of talent increases, that's when you start to begin to see some better defense played. All right. So I hear what you're saying, but you know, better teams play better defense because they understand that when you're playing a team that's almost as good as you, while you want to trade baskets, there are periods in a game where you have to play defense, where you can stop runs. If you want to limit from being blown out from a 12-0, 14-0, 16-2 run, you better be able to play some defense in the middle of that run, get a turnover, get a basket to break that momentum. Now, does it mean they're not going to score? Of course they're going to score. The better teams, great teams, they're always, there's always going to be scoring in the NBA. But the referees call less fouls in the postseason, so they allow them to play so you, you have – a little better flow to the game. So those are some of the things that you look for if they ever get back to the postseason. Richardson, Manhattan. Hey, Richard, you're next on 98.7. Larry, you know, I love the sports and I listen to you guys and I, I enjoy everything. But one thing that perplexes me, everyone's worried about when basketball, football, baseball is going to start. I'm worried about when we can get in an elevator with other people or take the subway safely or to approach somebody in the opposite sex uh, casually. It, it's going to be a long time for that to happen. I'm seeing people scared now just to get near each other. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, I think we're going to be a long way off. I really do before uh, sports and people get together and get that close and getting a subway to go out to City Field or Yankee Stadium. I, I just don't see it. But on a lighter note, Larry, mm-hmm. I read. did you read today's post? Uh, which article? Uh, Mike Vaccaro's on the City yes, College. Be- oh, what yes, an article. Do it's you realize article. that there have only been three 
basketball teams in New York City history that have won the championship. And then, I mean, I don't quite, I don't say that the Nets because the Nets were technically a Long Island team. Okay. So the Knicks twice in New York won the championship, and the 1950 City College won the not only the NCAA tournament, won the NIT tournament. That's right. un- all five of the starting guys, all five guys were from from uh, New York City high schools: Erasmus, Taft. Uh, 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 Rasmus Taft, Franklin, Benjamin Franklin. I mean, it's unbelievable. And Clinton High School. All five mm-hmm. of the starters. Now, everyone thinks that they threw the games or that they f- fixed the score. All they did, and I heard this from a family friend about 10 years ago who, since, who has since passed on. The family friend was in his, uh, played in the 40s at NYU. He said all the kids in those days at the city at the universities were cutting down points and taking money from the gamblers. What they did was they were so good to city college kids that they can control the score. Mm-hmm. So instead of if they were favored by 30 points or 25 points, they would cut it down to win by 10 or 9. They mm-hmm. were that good. I, I met two of the guys on that team. I met uh, Floyd Lane, who later became the head coach of City College, mm-hmm. and Erwin Dembrot became a, a dentist, and he practiced near where my office is, and I, I talked to him a few times. He would never talk about the scandal, never. I tried to talk to him about it a couple times. He wouldn't talk about it. But those kids were, can you believe that two black kids, three Jewish kids, beat Kentucky, <laughs> Adolph Rupp's team. That's right. Adolph Rupp's team by 39 points in the That's NIT. Right. Yeah. Can you imagine that? Five kids from New York City. I mean, the story is unbelievable. Ed Roth was saying, I read an article, uh, in the article, it talked about Ed Roth 20 years ago. He said mm-hmm. the sad thing about all this is that no one will ever talk about how good we were. Can you imagine how dominant these kids were? They beat Bradley twice to win the championship, once in the NIT and then once in the NCAA tournament. But he says that's the loud. He says we deserve to be punished. What we did was wrong. Mm-hmm. We disgraced ourselves, our families, in the game of basketball for a lousy few bucks. He didn't deny it. He, you know, he mm-hmm. said we, were, we led to temptation. But he said the sad thing in all of this was no one will ever talk about about how great we were. So I, I just think that was a great article today. It was, Richard. Uh, and, and Larry, always yes. a pleasure. Same always here, Richard. Pleasure. Thank here, you. Thank you. Thanks for the phone call. And I played for Coach Floyd Lane up at CCNY. So I know Coach very well. And having gone to CCNY, that was uh, a crowning moment for the institution. And think about this, ladies and gentlemen. The NIT is not the NIT. The NIT then was not the NIT of, to, of today. The NIT then was the NCAA. It was actually reversed. The NIT was the bigger tournament of the two at that time. Then the NCAA got bigger and they swallowed up the NIT and then things changed. But at that time, the NIT was the top, was the top tournament and then was the NCAA. And, uh, you know, Floyd Lane did not talk a lot about that, that those years, but just to, about the incident, but he did talk about the great teammates they had, how they were their their teamwork, how everybody understood each other. They knew where each other was going to be on the court. They were able to, to play great defense. They were able to come together and, and they just, they played selfishly, unselfishly. They played unselfishly. They were able to, to just have a great game plan and they were a phenomenal team. 
they they made history. And because, you know, the two aren't related the way they that that was the end of the NIT having that power, you will never have an NIT and NCAA championship again. It was a brilliant article by Mike Vaccaro. But, you know, you expect that from Mike because, as I know Mike for a long time, he is an outstanding writer. Outstanding. 1-800-919-3776. All right. I promised you two numbers of some great restaurants that you can order lunch and dinner from this weekend. I'll share that with you next on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. I am a big fan of Chuck D. Uh, when I was at another radio station, he and I did a couple of shows together. And so I, I you know, I've, I've always been a big fan of his. So he's talking about, and obviously there's always been a conversation. We may do this. You know, in the, in the next couple of weeks, talking about uniforms, because that's a really big topic. I saw some comments about the Rams uniform and I was just laughing. Uh, but so uniforms are, are a big deal. You know, you know, people have, you know, fans really love their uniforms, have a lot to say about them. So here's, here's what Chuck D had to say about the Knicks uniform. He says, I think my Knicks do an okay job with uniforms. However, we started losing hard after someone put that Dollar Tree font on them. <laughs> I keep I keep pressing the fact that New York needs that majestic arc on them, on them unis. Also, bring back that NY back on the shorts. I remember those. It's New York people, not New Paltz. So he's um, no disrespect to New Paltz and, you know, all the great people who went there and the graduates and the alums. But it, it's so funny when he's talking about the Nick uniform. And then and on his Twitter, he's got a little adjustment. He sketched them out for you and put exactly where he wants them to be. You know, it's great. It's great. Back to the phones. 1-800-919-3776. Hey, Patrick in Jersey. You're next on 987 ESPN. Hey, how you doing tonight, boss? Great to talk All to right, you. All right, partner. Thank you, sir. What's up? Uh, I just wanted to come in and sort of harp on exactly what you were just saying. I think you were making some great points about how offense – Really, it captures the eyes for a lot of people right now. You know, I think they're trying to get a younger audience and stuff, but I'm pretty young. I'm 22 years young, and I think the perfect example of that is when you talk about that Super Bowl a couple years ago with the Rams and the Patriots, Mm -hmm. the low-scoring one, all my peers and friends hated that game because it was so low-scoring. You know, nobody. it, it was all about the defense in that game, but I think I like to fancy myself a traditionalist and I don't think you sound like an old-timer on the lawn before. If you're a real fan, you really appreciate low-scoring games across any sport because it's just a proof that when it comes down to winning a championship, it's, all, it's, it's a game of chess. It's not checkers. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I do. I do. Thanks, Patrick. Thanks for weighing in. Um, that, I couldn't say it better myself. That's what it's about. It's, it, it's the chess match between coaches and the teams, right? And look, take the cheating away from the Houston Astros for a moment. Okay, take that away. Take that away. How the team was constructed is the way that you win games. You have solid starting pitching. You have a a pretty good bullpen. Okay. You have hitters up and down the lineup. You have contact hitters. Yeah, you have some power guys in your lineup too, but you have contact hitters. And so, and you have great defense. So when you look at great teams, 
Okay. That's what makes great teams. Solid defense, baseball, it's very simple. It's, it's an old formula. It's worked for years. You're solid up the middle. You have a strong defensive catcher. You have solid defense at second and short, and you have an outstanding center fielder that can go into the alleys and get and catch anything. Okay. That's what helps. Then you sprinkle in some hits. All right. You sprinkle in some offense. You sprinkle in a power hitter from somewhere, either your first baseman or your third baseman, one of your outfielders. You sprinkle in some really good starting pitching in the bullpen, and that's how you win. Okay. That gives you a leg up because even though you've got people hitting home runs like it's home run derby, okay, we've seen it over and over and over again in the postseason. When the pitching improves, the ability to hit the home run, the long ball, drops. It does. That's why you see these lower score games. Now, of course, there's there's always exceptions. There may be a 13-12 game once in a while in the postseason, but it's very rare. Because you're playing better teams who have better pitching. So for me, the great offense, that's regular season stuff. All right. You, you're looking at, Oh man, we got the great threes. We got, it's 132, 130. That's great for regular season. I'm entertained. I love seeing. Yeah. Okay. It's a shoot. It's a shootout. Great. How many times you seen a 132, 130 NBA game, game six conference finals? <laughs> not, not unless it's triple overtime. Maybe. You just don't see that. The high-scoring stuff, and I understand the National Football League. Oh, we got to make it. We got to protect the quarterbacks. Quarterbacks are getting hurt all the time. Oh, we got to make sure that, you know, this is the season. We hit the quarterback. He's done. I understand making adjustments. But the fact that a defensive back can't really look hard at a wide receiver without getting a penalty is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And that's why they felt they wanted to open the game up and get more offense. Now, should they have made the adjustment without, <laughs> so wide receivers wouldn't fear going across the middle to catch? Yeah, I can understand that part of an adjustment. I do. But let's not take the whole ability for a corner to play defense and earn his job in the National Football League. Let's not do that. And while we're on that subject, can we still figure out what is pass interference in the National Football League? Because it varies from crew to crew. You know, that's the one thing I hope that all during the, the you know, while we're talking about when is it going to start again and and I want to see football and I can't wait for football. Can, is there somebody working with the officials right now during this time? Are they Are they having, you know, little remedial classes, you know, where they're going over video and, and the head of officials is going around working with all the crews. So we're all on one page. So we know what offensive interference is and, and what's pass interference and what's holding and, and why one crew gets it and another crew doesn't. Can, can we all get on the same page? It, could that be happening for a change? Okay. Could, could for, for change, could we be doing that? Instead of, you know, while we're worrying about when it's going to play. I mean, they could do FaceTime. They could Skype NFL. They could Skype it. Here's the video. Look at this. Okay. What is this call? No, that's not what it is. Remember the rule. This is what pass interference is. That's what I would, that's what I would hope is going on in the meantime. That would be great if that could happen. I would love that. I would love that. 
because then we won't we won't be pulling our hair out whenever the season starts, be it twenty twenty or twenty twenty one, which is when Kirk Herb Street would start. You're listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on ninety eight point seven ESPN. <laughs> 